Hi, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and this is the podcast that gives you a peek into the lives of the homeschoolers next door. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 37 of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I am so happy that you are joining me here today. Well, I have found in recording these podcasts over a year and a half now that they never go exactly like you expect them to go. And today's episode with Claire Stewart was no exception. I was delighted by all of the different turns that our conversation took and all of the wonderful things that I learned as I was chatting with Claire. Claire was a listener request for our podcast this week, and I really enjoyed getting to know her, and I think you guys are going to enjoy getting to know her a little better as well. We'll do that right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast is brought to you by Maestro Classics. Do you want to bring classical music into your children's lives? You can add music to your homeschool curriculum today with Maestro Classics. These award-winning CDs and MP3s feature storytellers Yadu and Jim Weiss, accompanied by the world-famous London Philharmonic Orchestra. Choose from a dozen titles, including Peter and the Wolf, The Nutcracker, and our family's favorite, The Story of Swan Lake. What makes Maestro Classic CDs so special is that each CD and MP3 contain a 24-page activity book, with illustrations, puzzles, games, and fun facts for kids. You can even download free curriculum guides that combine classical music with science, math, geography, and other subjects. All CDs and MP3 sets include tracks, which explain to your children how the music was made, who the composer was, the history and story behind the music, the instruments used by the orchestra, and most importantly, how to open your ears and really listen. Listening is a learned art, and Maestro Classics guarantees that these recordings will explain and develop listening skills in your children. Visit maestroclassics.com for free shipping on all CDs and MP3s. They start at just $9.98. As a Homeschool Snapshots listener, you can receive 17% off your order by using the coupon code PAM at checkout. Go to www.maestroclassics.com. That's maestro, spelled M-A-E-S-T-R-O, classics.com, where the best classical music curriculum awaits your homeschool. Claire Stewart homeschools her five children across the pond in England. At her blog, Angelic Scallywag, she tells about the ins and outs of their homeschool, as well as the ups and downs of family life. Claire's tagline is, homeschooling to give our children roots to ground them and wings to help them fly. And she joins us today on the podcast to share what that looks like in her family. Claire, welcome to the program. Hi there. Hi. Well, tell me a little bit about your family. I'm married. And I have five gorgeous children, three older ones and then two younger ones. Okay, so what are their ages? How old are your older ones and how old are your younger ones? I have a 14-year-old son and I have 13-year-old twins who were born, they know it exactly, but it's nine months, three weeks and two days, I think, after Thomas was born. And then I had a few miscarriages and I had Abigail, she's seven, and Rebecca, she's five and a half, you would say. Five and a half. Oh, I'm it's sure she would say. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me how you guys got started homeschooling. 
Well, I knew nothing about it. I didn't even know it existed, but I was pregnant with Thomas in the doctor's surgery and I was just about to go in and see the midwife and I just had this feeling that I would never send my child to school. I didn't even know homeschooling existed. It was just this, you are never sending your child to school and the rest is history, really. I, I looked into what the other options were and homeschooling really appealed. Well, let's talk. I'm going to go off my script a little bit and talk just a little bit at the beginning. What is homeschooling like in Great Britain? Because it really has started to become more mainstream here in the United States in recent years. So what's it like there where you are? Well, I think when I first started, it didn't really exist. You know, there weren't that many people doing it. I'm quite an introvert, so I wouldn't necessarily have gone out there and looked for them. So maybe there were loads and loads of families, but I didn't know of them. And people were always asking, you know, why we were choosing to homeschool. And I think in general, we were thought of as being quite peculiar. We are quite peculiar. (laughs) But But that was confirmed. (laughs) (laughs) But now as you've done it, these, you know, 10 years past, it's really, have you started to notice an uptake on the number of people choosing this option? I think so, yes. We live in quite a large village, but a village nonetheless. And there are lots of families who do it now. And even in my church, there are a handful of families. We're not such an oddity anymore. Right. Was it lonely in the beginning? And you've I'm kind not of... a lonely person, no. I, I quite enjoy my own company, so I'm okay. quite happy. <laughs> so it didn't really bother you? You didn't have it tons really of didn't homeschooling? Bother me, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, maybe you were the person to like, you know, lead off into this new direction and blaze the trail for everybody else because, you know, you had the personality to handle it. Maybe. <laughs> I'm not so sure. My husband would laugh at that. <laughs> I don't well, think I'm a trailblazer at all in any way, shape or form. <laughs> a quiet trailblazer, but a trailblazer nonetheless. Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me start you off with a multiple choice question. Your homeschool okay. day is most like which literary classic? Would it be A, Cheaper by the Dozen? B, Much Ado About Nothing? C, Around the World in 80 Days? Or D, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Do I have to choose just one? <laughs> Could I kind of say cheaper by the dozen because we're quite a large family on a fairly small budget and much ado about nothing because we're a constant comedy around here. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde really appealed because I have three teens and they have hormones and I don't need to say anything more than that. Our whole day at some times is um, very up and down. And right now I'm doing around the world in 80 day summer adventure. So a, oh. a little bit of all of them. Yeah, you're hitting every single one of them. Just yeah, I'm a really bit. sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's 2 a.m. and you're lying in bed awake, what is it that's keeping you up? Excitement. I'm very, very easily excited and I get very excited about the next day and lots of ideas going around my head all the time, 24 hours a day. Yeah, sleep eludes me a lot of the time because life's too exciting to sleep. Yeah, it gets harder and harder to turn my brain off as I get older. Yeah. <laughs> I find like that all my life. (laughs) Yeah. What is one book that your family has just really enjoyed reading aloud together? Oh, gosh, one. I'm not doing very well on these questions, am I? I probably have two favorite ones. We're going on a bear hunt um, because all of us know it off by heart. And even to this day, the older ones will skip along the woods chanting, we're going on a bear hunt. We're going to catch a big one. (laughs) So I love that book. And all five of my children love that. And I don't know if this is an English book, but it's called Guess How Much I Love You. Yes. Um, I couldn't even tell you who it was by, but each child has a copy of that. And I read it every night for the first two years of their life, if not more than that. 
and Charlotte. It really means a lot. The words in there really mean to all of us. And when Charlotte was a little unsure of herself a year or so ago, I bought her a little necklace which said, I love you to the moon and back. And that's the last sentence in the book. So it was always the last thing they heard before they went to sleep. Oh, that's delightful. Yeah, we had a copy of that book as well. So it was great. Yes, we're, we're not literary geniuses in this house. There's, you know, <laughs> two preschool books I chose. <laughs> that's okay, though. Somebody has to choose the preschool books and make us all go, yeah, we remember those. Those are awesome. So, well, what's one thing that you've learned while homeschooling that maybe you didn't know before? I really don't think I knew that I had the imagination I had. And I think that, and my children would definitely agree with me, I'm the biggest child in this house by far. And I think I didn't know that beforehand. I think I always thought I was quite mature, but I'm really not. Why do you think that was something that it took you so long to figure that out? I think I was kidding myself all these years. But my children tell me all the time I really ought to be growing up soon. But it hasn't happened yet. Do you think I need a few more years. (laughs) Do you think that's your favorite part of homeschooling is the fact that you don't have to grow up? You can. Well, which obviously we know you're the grown up in the house. Yeah. But, you know, the fact that you can kind of stay immersed in this atmosphere of learning and wonder. Yeah, it's it's just so much fun. Every day is so much fun. What about your kids? What do you think they would say is the best part of homeschooling? The adventures every day. My son kind of said, which surprised me, actually. He said that no day is the same, which... It seems like they are fairly similar to me, but he says they're really not. And yeah, that's what they enjoy the most. What do they enjoy the least about homeschooling? I asked them this. They said that they don't like how other people perceive homeschooling, that there's a general lack of understanding about what it means. That, and they don't understand the cliqueiness of groups. Mm. So they don't, they don't maybe get how to fit into those groups sometimes. But they, yeah, that. They haven't learned those particular social skills. They're very sociable children, but I think they struggle with that. Navigating those groups that yeah. they don't understand why people separate themselves out. Yes, and why age is so important. Yeah. Um, you know, they'd be quite happy to play with older or younger, but age is very, especially I think in the teenage years, this has only been sort of an issue in the last year or so because age is very important. I don't know if that's the same in America, but over here, you know, what year you're in is very important and you stick within those year groups. Right. It kind of defines you. I think my kids have come up against those struggles before too, not understanding why everybody just doesn't want to play with everybody. Yes. Um, and there are things that are cool and my just my children just are not cool at all. <laughs> and that's, you know, they quite like to be cool, but they just don't know how to be. Yeah. Well, my daughter told me the other day very proudly that she wasn't cool. She was unique. And so... I thought that was an interesting bit of insight on her part. Yes, no, absolutely. I have one girl who, yeah, she very proudly is different, but her twin isn't maybe as outgoing as her. And, you know, I think she would find it hard to be at school. Yeah. Well, speaking of homeschooling twins, what is that like? Oh, it's brilliant. It's like having triplets, actually, because Thomas is is literally only nine months older. And so I had three babies. I had three toddlers. And I've had three children and three teens, and they are just lovely. And I just thoroughly enjoy their company. And it meant I could, you know, have a year group, if you like. You know, I could teach them all the same, which we did. It's been really good. I can't think of anything negative about having three similar age children. 
do you ever find yourself having to kind of stop and take a step back and say, hey, wait a second, what's not going to work for this one kid or, you know, might work for the other or what might work for this kid is not going to work for the other, even though they look very similar and they were born at the same time? Well, my twins couldn't be more different. In fact, all three, all five children are very, very different from each other. Um, But my twins in particular, uh, I have one very artistic twin who would be shyer, probably more like me. But then I have a very, very outgoing twin who is very quirky like me, but very proud of it and very out there and just loves meeting people. When they weren't like that for the first 10 years, the three of them were very similar. So it's only been the last three years since hormones hit that they're very different now. And it's lovely. I love it. I love the interest. It sounds like you really kind of thrive on the excitement and the adventure of day to day. Yes, I do. On the minutai. Minutai, is that a word? Yeah. I know what I mean by that. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Oh, good. (laughs) Well, what is your favorite subject to teach? I don't really teach. I don't enjoy teaching and I'm not very good at it. So I don't. What I do is I put like a smorgasbord of ideas in front of my children. And they kind of, you know, I always say for every hundred ideas I have, we maybe do 20 of them. And so they pick and choose and they teach themselves. I supply all the resources and the conversation. We chat a lot. Well, tell me what this might look like in a normal day. What might school at your house look like? Because I have a feeling I'm going to have a number of listeners who are really intrigued by this idea. First of all, they're going to be really kind of intimidated by the, oh my gosh, I've got to lay out a hundred ideas where I'm going to, you know, where am I going to get those from? <laughs> but I'm awake all night thinking about all <laughs> Well, that's these true. Ideas. Your mind never goes to sleep. <laughs> but no, what, they don't have to think about that many ideas. But what does it look like day to day? You know, your kids wake up in the morning and they stumble into the kitchen and you're like, okay, it's time to get started with our day. How does that look? My children are very much better at me than at communicating in the morning. I'm not a morning person. I need a liter or so of coffee inside me for the grunts to turn to, you know, grunts that make sense. So they're all very good because they understand that and they kind of leave me be. And they're all, they've all been doing chores since they were three. So they just get on with the chores. I never have to ask them. They just go and do them. School starts maybe about half eight, nine-ish. I write these schedules out. I'm great at writing schedules out, but it's all a bit hit and miss, to be honest. We'd start with Bible, always put God first, and then maths, because it's maths. It wouldn't be my favorite. That would be my least favorite subject to do, especially at the older ages. And then we just go into whatever, I suppose we're a unit study-ish project-based school. I don't really know. Mm -hmm. I have themes going on on my blog where I'm trying to figure out what I am, because I'd really like to know, but I really rarely find an answer. We're kind of a mixture of things. Eclectic. So at the moment we're doing around the world in 80 days. So I read that out to them and we're making a huge scrapbook. So we gather materials and we stick and we chat and I, I send them off to look up things on the map. And I've got 26 vocabulary words up on the board at the moment and they have to, they can cross them out when they use them in general conversation. So they're really tough words and they have to find a way of putting them into the conversation without it sounding forced, which ended up with much hilarity. We played whist. Oh my goodness, have you ever played whist? I have not. Oh, you've got to. (laughs) We probably spent three hours playing it yesterday. It was so much fun. And during the whist playing, 
we were all trying to get in the vocab words that we could cross out. It was very fun. We have a lot of fun. But that probably sounds like somebody's nightmare, doesn't it? No, not at all. It but, sounds but like <laughs> it sounds like a joyful thing that I'm not sure I could ever pull off. But <laughs> well, I'm not sure I pull it off. It's all a bit hit and miss, as I say. But and it's every, fun. everybody's working together on this, even down to the younger ones. Yes, I must say, if I lack skill in an area, it's pulling it all together for five children. I'm fairly good at doing the older ones, and I'm fairly good at doing the younger two. But trying to do them all together requires a lot of patience. Yes. Which I quite possibly don't have. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> but I, I would struggle a little bit to join the five-year-old with, like when we were trying to, to learn whist, she just couldn't understand it. You know, that was very difficult for her. So we played it together in the end, which wasn't so bad. No. We're going to have to find some directions for whist and put them in the show notes of this episode because, you know, that's something like, personally, I've only read about in like Jane Austen books or something. Oh, it's so addictive. I mean, I thought we'd just play for 10 minutes. It's so addictive. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Well, what about meeting those requirements? What kind of requirements do you have to meet for high schoolers in England? Are you able to do that with your kind of eclectic style of homeschooling that you do? Well, we pretty much don't have any anything to reach, which means that I do fairly well at reaching them because there really aren't any standards to reach. Basically, the law says that we have to educate our children according to their strengths and their age hmm. or according to their ability. I think the law is their ability and their age, which gives you a lot of scope. So I think it's really, really important for a child to lead their learning. So for example, Thomas wants to go to university. He's 14 at the moment. And over in Britain, we take things called GCSEs. So they take those at age 16, and they usually take between 8 and 10 GCSEs of different subjects. And then you go on to do A-levels, and then you go to university. So that's sort of the progression. And because he wants to go to university, it means he has to jump a few hoops, really. You know, he has to do what he needs to do in order to get there. So he's already taken one GCSE, which he took last January, um, and he got an A for that. So that's, I feel very proud. <laughs> and he'll do three this year, at the end of this year, and three at the end of the next year. And he's also going to college one day a week. So he's quite focused. So although I drag him into this, you know, the around the world in 80 days, and he's very good at grinning and bearing it, he's quite focused on his future now and wants, and wants to be doing that. So he will teach himself. He's doing chemistry, maths, and chemistry, maths, and English. So he will be focusing most of his work on that next year. So although he'll come to me for the English and we'll be covering the Victorian, that's the age that we're in at the moment, the history. So he'll be doing a bit of that with us. He really chooses the more academic route. Whereas I have a very, uh, one of the twins is, you can't feed her books. You can't feed her enough books. She has read War and Peace, Les Miserables, she just, she just reads constantly all day long and writes. And so I, I just buy her lots and lots and lots of books around the period we're studying. And then I have Lily who's into her art and her jewellery making. So she has hours a day doing that. And she's very serious about that. Does that answer your question? Because I can't, can't actually remember what the question was. It does. No, it was I wonderful. because it, <laughs> it gives us a great glimpse into, you know, I love how you're tailoring the education for each one of your children. You're not sending them all through the same path, but you know, you have these three older kids who are very close in age and they're all kind of deciding 
what they want to be and where they want to go in life. And you're tailoring their education to help them get there and help them do what they want. Um, Very much. Yeah. So I think that's great. Well, I have to tell you that I would just, if I could pick like anywhere to go in the world outside of the United States and visit, it would be England. And so do you have, because, you know, to me, that's like Disney World. So do you have any special (laughs) opportunities to study culture or history because of where you live? Well, we live probably less than an hour away from London. We're just on the suburbs of London. So we live in a village. We've so got the best of both worlds because we're surrounded by countryside. But on a train, it takes maybe 35, 40 minutes to get into the centre of London. And that's really cool. Yeah, we like going to London. So you use all of those spaces as kind of opportunities. Well, I know at the end of this Around the World in 80 Days, we're doing Around London in eight hours. So I'm sending the three older children off with £40 each. And they have to navigate their way around London. And of course, Around the World in 80 Days is set during the Victorian times. And that's what we're studying at the moment. And so we've written out 10, 11 places in London, Victorian places that they have to navigate their way to. And we're meeting them for lunch for a trip along the Thames. And don't tell them, but we're also taking them out to the cinema at Leicester Square in the evening if they've managed to tick all the 11, 12 places off our list. Okay. So they're a bit scared. I would say, because my oldest is 11, okay, so she's a few years off from being that age, but I couldn't imagine when she was 13 or 14 necessarily turning her loose. Maybe I'll feel very differently then, but turning her loose in my town, which doesn't have public transportation, but, you know, much less like London is like one of the largest cities in the world and you're just going to send these, you know, 13 and 14 year olds off into it. And that doesn't scare you a little bit? Yeah, it really scares my husband a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But I am going to use the next month. So we're doing this around the world in 80 days for a month. And they're earning bits and pieces throughout the work on, you know, tickets to go to various places. And we'll be spending each day looking online so that they know exactly what they're going to do. The itinerary will be exact. If they separate, what's going to happen? You know, we'll be thinking everything through. And Gary and I will be meeting them up there for lunch. So we'll be meeting them at points along the way. So I think that they will be safe. There are three of them and they're very, very sensible. Thomas is like way more mature than I am. And if I can find my way, he definitely can. (laughs) I have full confidence in them. So they're used to the like the whole reading the underground maps and... No. uh, No? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) So this is like... Trial by fire. You know, I live in the southern U.S. And in the southern U.S., when we were little, when I was little, years and years ago, the way they taught us to swim is they would, like, take us to the end of the dock and throw us off in water over our head. And, you know, if we would swim. <laughs> it was either yeah. swim or drown. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're going for here, right? <laughs> well, I'm hoping that by doing the itinerary so exactly, I mean, they'll be going to the Victorian Albert Museum, the... Natural History Museum. I'm I'm sorry, I'm trying to think of all the places now. But a lot of them, there are five clustered together and they have to get a photo outside each one and there are certain things I want them to do in each place. So once they get to Victoria Station, they actually only need to navigate their way to one particular area. And then they're going to Baker Street to go and see Sherlock Holmes' home, which is kind of cool. They can't wait to do that. And they're going to be together. Sherlock Holmes Museum. Pardon? They're going to be together. Okay, so they don't have to like, the 
separate from each other. They can travel in a little pack and help each other out. All together, they'll all have their phones and there will be a, if they are going to, if they separate at all and lose each other, which is perfectly possible in London, they will have enough money on them that they can jump into a cab and they will all have a point where they meet. We're figuring it all out as we go along, but it's really fun. Just the planning is really fun. Even if it never comes to fruition, it's still fun planning it. That's true. Okay, so we are talking right now in early August. So when do you anticipate this trip is going to happen? It will happen probably the end of August. Okay, well, then I tell you what, because this podcast will not air until a little later in the fall. So I am assuming you're going to write about this and put it on your blog and we'll be able to link and see how (laughs) everything turned out for this grand adventure. Oh, no, the pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, if whatever happens, you'll just have to put a little post on the blog. Sorry, <laughs> it didn't work out. I'll um, just post the itinerary of what should have happened. There you go. <laughs> but we, yeah, we want to hear about these adventures. I think it'd be great for the kids to write about those a little bit and let us know what their side of the experience mm. was about. I think it will build confidence in them. I oh, want yeah. them to be able to face the world and not be scared. And I think that that will build skills. And if we do it sensibly in a way that they know what their next move is the whole day long. They know what's coming next. I think that they'll be safe and fine. Oh, I absolutely love it because you're right. I mean, kids, teenagers really do need to incrementally learn those kinds of skills because so often today, we I don't know how it is in England, but here we shelter them so much and you feel like you have to just because of the way society has become, not necessarily because we're scared of what's out there, But, you know, we've kind of moved into this nanny state where, you know, if you leave your kids sitting in the car to run into the drugstores, you know, somebody is going to sit there and snap a picture and call the police. And so you're afraid to even give them any kind of freedom because you're afraid that somebody's going to look at you askance for doing it, whether you think they need that freedom or not. And so I love this. Well, I think... My son, he's 14, but he's strapping. I mean, he looks 19. He's taller than I am. And, you know, he's he's a very manly 14-year-old. So, and he's very protective of his sisters. And, you know, he will definitely be the one in charge. Yeah, that, <laughs> Whether awesome. they want him to be on not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, I do want to talk about, you have shared openly on your blog about having gone through a major health crisis. Can you tell us a little bit, share a little bit about what you've learned as you've continued to homeschool through a difficult time like that? Yep. What particularly do you want to know? I was diagnosed with invasive malignant melanoma when Rebecca was nine months old. She's my youngest. She was nine months old and I was still getting over the fact that I couldn't have any more children. So it was a really bad time to get a serious illness. Mm -hmm. And I had it removed and I went back for a second operation to make sure that they cleared the lines but it had grown down, so they weren't able to tell me 100% that it had gone. So it's just just a waiting game now. And every night I go for a walk, or certainly at that time I went for a walk every night, and it would be my quiet time with God. And I just felt one night him just saying to me, really specifically, like a really clear voice, the doctors have, they, they know one part of your body, I know your whole body. And it was somehow in that sentence, it just made me realize that I needed to focus on one day at a time. And as time went by, it made me realize that our days aren't a given. 
that they're a privilege. Each day we have is to be cherished, is to cherish that day because we might not have another one. This sounds very dark, but actually it was definitely a way that I coped and it has revolutionized my life. It's made it much more exciting life because I have today. I don't know whether I've got tomorrow. None of us know, you know, Mm -hmm. that would have been my, you know, I don't worry anymore about things that I would have worried before, because unless they're a worry today, I just put it to one side and deal with it when it's a day worry. It's been, a, I know a lot of people say this, and I wouldn't wish it on anybody because I was so scared. I was terrified. But what's come out of it has been very positive. So this, um, is, this is where some of your attitude about enjoying the moment and the adventure in your homeschooling comes from. Yes. Well, I, I, I never blogged before then. And I started my blog so that my younger children would know what I looked like if the worst was to happen and I was to die. And I wanted them to know just how special they were and how loved they were and how much they meant to me. And it's just grown from there. And it was never meant for anybody else to read it. Very weird having people read. (laughs) (laughs) But it's actually lovely because I've made some lovely friends and it's been a very good thing for me. Oh, that's awesome. And what was it like you know, I think one of the things that we get asked this quite a bit, people coming to us saying, could you interview somebody who has homeschooled through a sickness or homeschooled through an illness? And I think they're wanting to know, what do you do when you're just so tired that you can barely, you know, pick up and start your day? You're going through something and you're just so tired that you can barely, barely do what you need to do and you feel anxious about this, or you feel worried about this, or your kids aren't getting what they need. But what I hear you saying is that when you are homeschooling through something like this, really what you come to focus on is that, you know, you're giving them what you're giving them. You need to like not worry so much about giving them the workbooks and the academics and the things like that, but you need to focus on the relationships and the adventure and the joy of it all. Yeah, I really do. I mean, at the same time as that was all happening, my youngest child, who's nine months, and we don't really know whether it was anything to do with this situation. She cried 24 hours a day for two and a half years, every day, 24 hours a day. And I was so tired throughout the whole thing. We don't know, again, as I say, we don't know how much of it was because of the cancer or we know she had leg cramps, and so that might have been the reason. I just don't know. And this, you know, is, I, this is the point where you feel like Job. I mean, seriously. Oh, I, I just, I was so tired. You know, when you said when you're just so tired and you just don't feel like you can get up in the morning, that's exactly how I felt. I was so tired that the family just pulled together. My mum lives next door. My husband's just incredible. And my three older children, they would get up to her and rock her overnight so that I could sleep. I mean, and they were 11, 10, 11 at the time. They were incredible. You know, they kept the chores going when I was just like walking around, you know, all coffeeed out and just had other things on my mind. Life's not perfect ever. And sometimes it's really, really difficult. But I think learning goes on. And that learning might not be book learning. But my opinion is that book learning can take, you know, it takes weeks to learn book learning, not years. But the character and the, I don't know, the, the resilience, the love, they're the important things. Oh, that's awesome. That's, yeah, 
well, you, you were saying earlier that you don't have to tell your kids to do their chores. They just get up and do them. And I'm sitting here thinking, what kind of magic fairy dust does she have? But I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like hearing, it sounds like that a lot of this, a lot of the things that actually are just, you look at them right now, Claire, you look at them as just part of what goes on in your home and your homeschool and it's normal, but it's come out of this kind of trying situation that you guys came through these years ago where, you know, the kids had to step up and, you know, they had to do, everybody had to pull together and had to work together. And so now you have this responsibility in your children, you have this joy in yourself. I think your kids are going to do great getting around London by themselves. (laughs) Well, I hope so. (laughs) Really hope so. (laughs) Once you get if the they whole fail, picture. they're going to fail spectacularly <laughs> and very publicly now. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> well, Claire, wow. It's like normally we just move right into the pop quiz, but it's a little hard to do that right now. But are you ready for a pop quiz? Oh, I don't know what this is. What is this? Okay, this is really easy. I'm going to say two words and you're just going to tell me which one. Oh, fun. Go okay. On. Pen, yep. pen or pencil? Pencil. Early bird or night owl? Oh, I want to be early bird, but a night owl. Dishes or laundry? Oh, neither. No, really neither. (laughs) (laughs) Poem or short story? Oh, words. I love words. Poem. High tech or low tech? Oh, very low tech. Dystopia or fairy tale? Oh, fairy tale. Talker or listener? Talker. Preschool or high school? High school. On the go or stay at home? Stay at home. <laughs> Claire, tell everybody where they can find you online. Angelic Scallywags. Okay, and it's <laughs> angelicscallywags.com. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a delightful conversation. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for asking me. And there you have it. Now, if you would like links to any of the books or resources Claire and I chatted about today, including a link for How to Play Whist and How the Great London Adventure turned out, we will have those for you in the show notes for this episode. You can find that at edsnapshots.com forward slash HSP37. And we'll have those for you right there. Also, in the show notes for this episode, we have instructions for you on how to leave a rating or review in iTunes for the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. If you are so inclined, we would love for you to do that. The ratings and reviews you leave for the podcast help us get word out about the podcast to new listeners, and we really appreciate you taking the time to do that. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another great homeschooling interview. Until then, keep on homeschooling. Homeschooling.